when we were looking at kind of uh, doing this lead up to Pentecost and out of Pentecost of taking a moment to pause uh, living this year with our life in pace, it just felt really right to look at a bit more in terms of the enjoyment there is of the life to have in the Holy Spirit and with the Spirit. And um, when we're talking as a team, we just felt like it'd be great to get Lucy to share, just because I know from personal experience that she lives as one who seeks to live in fellowship and in step with the Spirit. And so I know we're in a tree. I also know it's been a while since Lucy's spoken from the front of Oasis. And I think whenever we allow someone to share, they're sharing something of themselves, and also we want to receive what they're sharing. And a great way of just opening up is just saying, actually, we come and we honor you for sharing with us and we come and receive it. And I wonder if we could just applaud Lucy, just a way of saying we're open to you and it's over to you, Lucy. Thank you, that's really kind. Um, There's always a question with someone who doesn't speak normally, are they a safe pair of hands? And I want to start by assuring you I am. If you were here on Christmas day, Adrian promised a photo of himself transformed into an elf baby, but it wasn't available to see. But I have access to it, and I've brought it for you this morning. A little surprise for Adrian. I wonder if we could have that up. So I don't, actually, I've come up bigger there, so that's us working around at Christmas. I've fulfilled your promise. Anyway, um, I'm... I'm actually going to speak this morning on the topic of the Holy Spirit, and I've called my talk the Holy Spirit, not a parakeet, and that will become clear later, so just hang on to that thought. We're beginning this series about the Holy Spirit, and he's a dear friend of mine. I'm going to say some introductory thoughts today. Adrian will then talk about Pentecost next week, and then after Catalyst Festival, Mike will carry on looking at the Holy Spirit then. Um, I think sometimes when we think about the Holy Spirit, we can get really focused on the gifts of the Spirit or something particular he can do for us, or um, sometimes people shake or fall over when they experience the Spirit. But today I want to talk about the lovely person who he is, how he loves us, not the gifts of the Spirit, but the giver, not the shaking, but the one who shakes us out of our complacency into truly inspired, world-changing life. Before I go on, I just want to take a moment to honour someone who is a wonderful example of spirit-filled living to me. That's my mum-in-law, Pam. Um, Pam quietly and diligently does everything in life, full of love, kindness, joy, patience. And actually, all of us indirectly benefit from her goodness because she raised two brilliant sons, one of whom is Adrian. Um, And Mike Hurst is also quite cool. But I just wanted to take a moment to honour Pam. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to start off with three um, different encounters I've had with the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to whet our appetites for a more current, alive, active relationship with this gorgeous personality, the Holy Spirit. A couple of years ago, I sought out some healing prayer um, for different areas of my life. And one thing that came up in that session was my deep sense of unworthiness and being completely unlovable. The two ladies who were praying for me waited quietly. In fact, Sarah Bowman was one of them. And I heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me, have you forgotten Psalm 139, Lucy? I knit you together in your mother's womb. I saw you before you were even born. 
I was like an expectant parent waiting for you. I rushed around mother care, I gathered things, I told everyone I couldn't wait to meet you. I knew you before I chose you, and I would love and accept you completely, even if all you did throughout life was make mistakes. And I'd love and accept you completely if all you ever did was get everything right, but we both know that's not gonna happen. I really get you, I really love you, and I'm vast. I can value you completely without any competition and with there being no shortages for anybody else. A different encounter with the Holy Spirit. At the school where I work, I organize a small prayer meeting for staff. There are only about eight of us. And we've been praying this year for a pupil who should be in year seven, but he's not yet arrived because he was diagnosed with leukemia in the summer. The head of year seven came and spoke to me. She's not a Christian, but she said, please can your group pray for him. We were starting to become desperate in about January, February, because he'd had a bone marrow transplant from his mother that had failed, and the doctors in charge of his care said there was really no hope for him. His dad wanted to donate his bone marrow, but it wasn't a good match. There was no chance, really, that it would be successful, and there was no other option. As we prayed together at school, I felt the Holy Spirit say, you need to pray for God to carry out a miraculous provision of bone marrow for this boy, straight from heaven to him. I'm really thrilled to say that now, beyond all expectations, this pupil is at home. Leukemia has gone. He is recovering, ready to get back to school. We're hoping he'll be in school by June, and I can't wait to meet him. And as I was preparing to tell you about this miracle, I also felt the Spirit say, actually, what really delights him, of course, is that boy's healing. And also the joy that once a week, just a few of us gather and say, you're welcome here in our school different encounter. Yesterday morning, I was woken by the sound of my teenage son, Sam, playing on the Xbox. He was in the middle of some really important virtual mission and so absorbed in the moment that he was laughing really loudly, unrestrainedly, delightedly. As I was surfacing from my sleep, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. I'm so thrilled to spend the day with you today. The joy you can hear from Sam expresses exactly how I feel when I see you waking up for another, another day of adventures with me. That's where I want to start. The Holy Spirit is such a wonderful person. He's not just the energy or the power of God. He's a personality. He's full of life and power and joy. And he longs to meet with us, help us, and as Jesus explains in John chapter 14, to be our paraclete, not parakeet. We'll come back to that. So this is not going to be an Adrian-style sermon with lots of points that all begin with the same letter. It's more of a rambling narrative. But I do want to at least raise three questions. They are, who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? And how can we encounter him more in our lives? Obviously, these are vast questions. People have written and thought about this for hundreds of years. But I do hope I can at least encourage us to think more about the Holy Spirit. To that end, I can't speak about him without recommending these two books. The first one is Forgotten God by Francis Chan. And the second one is Good Morning Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. Both books really explore these questions in depth. I actually stole Forgotten God from my daughter Emily. She paid for it with her own money and then I nicked it. Um, Really recommend stealing from your children when possible. Um, It's so challenging. It will challenge your socks off and on and back off again. It's so challenging and will make you wonder if how you're living is is in a way that's desperate for God's spirit or not. Um, This is an older book, Good Morning Holy Spirit. It was originally published in the 90s and I think if you've been around for a while in church, you've A, come across it and B, know that Benny Hinn's teaching has slightly gone a bit off-centre recently, but 
This book I've had since 1991, and it's all sound, but it really taught me to understand the Holy Spirit as a person. In fact, when I first read it 27 years ago, it transformed my life. I actually don't have a copy of it to give away today, um, but I can get you one if you're desperate for it. Um, if you would like Forgotten God, you need to race to Richard. He's got one to give away. First person there gets it. You have to move. <laughs> okay, yeah, thanks, Emily. I'll tell her. Right, let's do this then, shall we? The problem in church today, both the writers of these two books start writing about the Holy Spirit by pointing out that we are in huge danger of missing the wonder of who he really is. Benny Hinn wrote this. Satan has done a great job. He has convinced the world that the Holy Spirit is nothing more than an influence or a special power. This deception is a priority of Satan because he knows that when you discover the personality and the reality of the Spirit, your life will be dramatically transformed. Just look at history. Every great revival has been accompanied by a fresh revelation of the Holy Spirit. Even Martin Luther credits the Great Reformation to the work of the Spirit. Yet today, few people know what it means to really walk in the Spirit. The root of the word means to be in unison with, one with, connected to, to fellowship with him. Yet people who've been raised in spirit-filled churches have asked me, am I actually supposed to talk to the Spirit then? Francis Chan in the book Matt Scott said, the benchmark of success in church life has become more about attendance on a Sunday than the genuine movement of the Holy Spirit. The entertainment model of church may have alleviated our boredom, but it's filled our churches with self-focused consumers rather than self-sacrificing servants attuned to the Holy Spirit. Discuss. If I were Satan and my goal was to thwart God's kingdom, my main strategy would be to get churchgoers to ignore the Holy Spirit. The degree to which this has happened is directly connected to how dis dissatisfied and unpeaceful most of us feel. We understand that something important is missing. I believe this something is actually a someone, the Holy Spirit. Without him, people operate in their own strength, accomplishing only human-sized results. Um, the world isn't moved by love or actions of human creation, and the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. But when believers do live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church can't help but be different, and the world can't help but notice. Right, I, I figured that by this point you'd be a little bit bored of my voice, so we can do a quick shouting vote. We can dive into the Bible, or we can have a story of the work of the Holy Spirit. We'll do both, it's just which order we do it in. So after three, if you prefer to have like a you know, current up-to-date story of the work of the Holy Spirit, shout story. If you prefer to dive straight into John's Gospel, shout Bible. There's not a wrong. Adrian didn't want me to do this at all. It's the main reason I'm doing it. So <laughs> after three, story or Bible. One, two, three. Story. Sorry, Mike, I think more people said story. <laughs> okay. I also that <laughs> Right, this is again from Forgotten God. <clears throat> it's about a chap called Dave Phillips. Years ago, Dave and his wife had a talk about the calling they felt God was stirring in them. They discussed what they were most passionate about, and they agreed that bringing relief to suffering children was at the top of their list. They thought about starting a relief agency, but Dave's response was, that would mean I'd have to talk in front of people, and I can't do that. 
However, after much prayer, Dave set aside his fears and he and Lynn started Children's Hunger Fund from their garage. Six weeks after it was launched, Dave received a phone call from a cancer treatment centre in Honduras asking if there was any way that he could obtain a certain drug for seven children who would die if they didn't have it. Dave had never heard of the drug. He wrote the name down and told the director he had no idea what it was or how to get it. He put the phone down and prayed. Even before he'd let go of the receiver, the phone rang again. It was the pharmaceutical company asking Dave if he would have any use for 48,000 vials of that exact drug. Not only did they offer him $8 million worth of the drug, they told him they would airlift it to any place in the world. Dave learned later that this company was one of only two that manufactured that particular drug. Within 48 hours, David had the drug sent to the treatment center in Honduras and to 20 other locations as well. This is when he started to believe that God was at work, validating this ministry. Year after year, God continues to provide supernaturally. Today, they've distributed more than $950 million in food and other relief to more than 10 million kids in 70 countries and 32 states. Children's Hunger Fund has distributed more than 150 million pounds of food and 110 million toys. The most beautiful thing about this story is that if you met Dave, you wouldn't think he was the CEO of a major organization. He's quiet, softly spoken, not the type you'd envision leading a movement. His power does not come from a natural giftedness, but from a dedicated prayer life and from the Holy Spirit. As a close friend of Dave's, I have never spent time with him without spending time in prayer. Dave lives a life we should long for, and incredibly, the kind of life that the Holy Spirit offers to us as well. A life in which people know that our accomplishments could not have been attained by our own power. A life that brings glory to God. Okay, now to the Bible. <laughs> so we're going to be looking at John chapter 14. Um, I've decided to go with the New Living Translation today. It's my current favourite. So if you're reading from the NIV, it's ever so slightly different. Okay, so, um, <clears throat> sorry. So Jesus is talking to the disciples, and I'll come back and give some context in a minute. He says this. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him, and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And a few verses later, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Okay, ideally, to give some context to what's going on here, we would read John chapter 13 to 15, or even the whole of John's Gospel, or ideally the whole Bible. But um, I don't think we've quite got time. So let me sum up. Um, I recently heard it suggested that the whole of John's gospel answers the one question, how do we learn to receive joy? Here, in chapters 13 to 15, Jesus is preparing the disciples to receive the ultimate joy. 
He is going to leave them and die, but he will be raised from the dead. He'll ascend to heaven and he'll send another advocate, the Holy Spirit. He's explaining that he has a clear plan and they just need to trust him. That's excellent news, isn't it? But the disciples are not really that happy. In fact, they sound like petulant children. I think like all of us can sound if we don't quite approve of what God's up to. In chapter 13, Peter pesters Jesus again and again. Jesus has explained the disciples can't go where he's going, but Peter doesn't like this. I imagine him stamping his foot as he says, why can't I come, Lord? Why can't I come now? Have you ever heard yourself questioning God like that? Why not now? Why can't we do it my way, Lord? Then in chapter 14, Thomas joins in, although I think he sounds a bit more sarcastic, like a teenager. Well, Lord, we have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Then Philip joins in too. He sounds a bit more conciliatory, like he's trying to strike a bargain. He says, look, just show us the Father, and then we'll be satisfied. It struck me that I recognized myself in all of these questions. Why not, Lord? How am I supposed to know what to do, Lord? Can't you just show me something awesome to confirm it? I think I'm often in the same position as those disciples. And actually, worse than that, sometimes life is just plain painful and there's so much suffering, we don't know where to turn. Jesus' answer for those disciples and for us with our troubled hearts is the same. He says in in verse 1 of chapter 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. In verse 17, the Father will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit. And in verse 27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, so don't be troubled or afraid. So how can we receive the joy that John's gospel promises? It's by the Spirit. Jesus gives a little crash course in the mystery of the Trinity in chapter 14. I haven't got time to go into that either. But the point is that everything the disciples loved about Jesus, everything they were terrified about losing, was going to be... um, continuing with this new person, the Holy Spirit. He's the equal of Jesus. He's another Jesus. He can help them. He won't leave them, and he'll be able to teach them. I want us to dig a bit into this term, another advocate, and look at what that means. The original Greek word for advocate is not parakeet, paraclete. See? Hours, that took me. Could you just say to the person next to you, The Holy Spirit is not a parakeet, but paraclete. Okay, great. Hopefully, that will help you to remember this Greek word, paraclete. It has got such depth of meaning, paraclete. It literally means one called alongside to help. And it's really close to the legal word advocate, which is why the Bible sometimes has it as advocate, someone who speaks on behalf of us or defends us. And it's also been translated in this particular verse variously as a friend, a counsellor, a comforter, and the Amplified Bible, which is my second favourite Bible, adds in helper, intercessor, strengthener, and standby. So in that phrase, advocate, look at all these things that Jesus is saying he gives to us. One who helps us, he speaks on behalf of us, friend, counsellor, comforter, standby, strengthener. And then a very similar word, which is more of a verb, parakletos, is found elsewhere in the New Testament. I don't know this, I just read this. Okay. I'd just like to make that clear. I did some research and found this out. Um, parakletos, that means words that are spoken to comfort and encourage and build up. So when Jesus, 
says the Holy Spirit is a paraclete. It's got that suggestion as well that he's speaking life into us, encouraging us with his words and with his breath and with himself. I'm not going to do this with every word of every verse, by the way. Okay. Um, What's more, the Holy Spirit is described here by Jesus as another advocate. That word another is so important because what Jesus is saying is the Spirit will fulfill the same role or a role parallel and equal to the role of Jesus. Martin Luther said he is another Christ. The Holy Spirit then is God. He's equal in power, authority and holiness to the Father and Son. He's glorious and lovely and the one who can bring us the peace we're longing for. He requires, however, that we submit ourselves to be led by him, just like God the Father and Jesus the Son. In a moment, we're going to have a look at what else does Jesus tell us about the Holy Spirit. Um, Adrian, halfway through the time, that was the introduction. Okay. I'll try and speed up. Okay, so first of all, number one, he's holy. There's a clue in the name, of course. What does holy really mean? Um, To be holy is to be different, set apart, special, exalted, worthy of complete devotion, perfectly good, perfectly righteous. And so thus the Holy Spirit wants to bring us into living holy lives. If I refer back to Francis Chan again, he says this, the Holy Spirit of God will mold you into the person you were meant to be. This painful process strips you of selfishness, pride, and fear. For an example of this, read C.S. Lewis's book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and read the section about Eustace, who becomes a dragon. In order to return to being a little boy again, he must undergo a tremendous amount of pain as the dragon's skin is peeled away and torn from him. Only after this painful process is he truly transformed from dragon back to boy. Chan says this, sometimes the sin we take on becomes such a part of us, it requires this same kind of ripping and tearing to free us. The Holy Spirit does not seek to hurt us, but he does seek to make us holy, Christ-like, and this can be painful. The next bit is slightly more encouraging. Secondly, the Holy Spirit will never leave us. He unites us to Jesus in a new intimacy of communion. We can't always feel him, we can't always see him, but we can always choose to believe that he is with us and for us and longs to be in relationship with us. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit brings peace. The message renders verses 25 to 27 like this. I think it might be on the next slide, Daniel. Yes. I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father sent at my request, will make everything plain to you. He'll remind you of all the things I've told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you, peace. I don't leave you the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned, bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. Love the message. It's a promise worth seeking out, isn't it? I'm making you well and whole. There are aspects of our lives where we're not at peace. Let's seek the Holy Spirit and the peace that John, uh, that, John that Jesus promises us here in John. Okay, the fourth thing that Jesus teaches us is that the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. 1 Corinthians 2 confirms that the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us. That might be directly, I think most often it's as we're reading the Bible. His spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. We have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. 
discovering the mystery of who God is, discovering the joy of God's deep thoughts, that's the adventure that the Holy Spirit's inviting us into. And fifth, the Holy Spirit is already living with you if you follow Jesus and can live in you. In verse 23, Jesus is saying that our poor, needy hearts can be the permanent residence of all three persons of the Godhead. If you follow Jesus, then it's because the Holy Spirit has already revealed him to you. If you know that Jesus is alive, it's because the Holy Spirit has shown you that. If you want to know him more, then you need only to ask for more of him in your life. Before we go on to question two, um, I've got next a list of 33 things the Holy Spirit does. I found this on Pinterest, but every time I've looked through it this week, I've found it really encouraging. We can have another vote here. I think being adult people, you can read it. Adrian felt it should be read out. Just let him read it. Okay. I'll allow you to read that then for a minute. We'll take a photo of it. But it was just on Pinterest, dead easy to find under Holy Spirit. Okay, just one more comment, which is the really well-known verse about the, um, which we call the grace and we use to encourage each other. Um, I think that might be on the next slide. Yeah, um, in 2 Corinthians 13, Paul writes, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. And I thought, what does communion with the Holy Spirit really mean? How can we actually know him more? I think communion is one of those funny religious words that we use, uh, but maybe don't consider it much. So, looked it up and this is what it means um it carries with it communion uh, the sense of presence fellowship sharing together participating with being intimate with friendship and comradeship i was thinking about these this sort of going slightly off piece here i was thinking about how some of my friends at work who are really a little bit lonely are looking for these things but they're not looking to god they're looking to dating websites, looking for a romantic partner to fulfill their needs. And I thought, I did check with the Holy Spirit, I thought it'd be fun to see what his dating profile would be like if he went on match.com. As you can see, name, paraclete, age eternal, occupation, see list on Pinterest of 33 things I do all the time. Mainly I help people whilst also helping to run the universe. Interest, loving you more than you could ever fully grasp, empowering you to live your very best life possible, and the ongoing salvation and restoration of the whole world. Personality, good sense of humour. That's honestly what I felt he said when I prayed and said, is this all right, God? Good sense of humour, incredibly kind and gentle, yet also unimaginably powerful. Um, and just to speed things up a bit, why you should swipe right, which if you're not familiar means say yes to the Holy Spirit. I've already chosen you. I know everything about you. I'm longing to be in fellowship with you. You can't see me, but you can hear me and you can feel me um, and talk to me all the time. I have no unmet needs that you need to fulfill and I'm totally available to you. Also, I can unleash the power of heaven into your life. You would, you'd swipe right, wouldn't you? <laughs> it sounds good, just a thought. Okay, so how can we start to encounter the Holy Spirit in our lives? I think first and foremost, let's just ask him. 
Let's just be more open to doing what we do together on a Sunday, saying, Lord, I want to know more of you. Reveal your presence to me more. Second, let's remember and think about how much he's already at work in us. If he lives in us wherever we go, sorry, if he lives in us, then wherever we go, he's already there. We're taking him with us in our day-to-day lives. It's simply about remembering that and choosing to fix our minds on that. Talk to him. The Spirit is always beckoning to us. The question is, will we follow? Third, I think ask a different kind of question. This is a question I like to ask. Who do you want me to love for you today? I have a perfect opportunity um, at the moment because I currently um, drive to school. It's about a 45-minute commute or an hour, or on a really bad day like last Thursday when I went the wrong way on the M42, an hour and a half. But anyway, um, I'm really grateful because the radio in the car doesn't work anymore. So that means I have no excuse to ignore the Holy Spirit. I can only pray or sing badly or listen to podcasts and fill my head with truth. Often as I'm driving, the Holy Spirit will prompt me. I will say, Lord, who do you want me to love today? And he will give me something very specific to do. More often than not, he directs me to buy flowers for my colleagues, and I think Adrian's maybe shared about this before. Sometimes it's friends, but it's often people that I barely know, and I have no idea why I've been prompted to buy them. Um, But when I hand them over, nine times out of ten, the recipient will burst into tears and say, how did you know? How did you know it was an important anniversary today? Something difficult's happened at home today? How, How did you know? And it's such a great way to say, well, I didn't, but God told me. And he really loves you. And I've been able to pray with people who absolutely wouldn't say they were Christians at all. Um, So that's all good apart from budgetary issues of spending too much money on flowers, but it's okay. My point is simply this. How you can commune with the Holy Spirit daily is different from me, but I really want to encourage you, whatever your life situation is, um, where can you be opening your heart and mind more to him and saying, Lord, speak to me? When can you be asking, who do you want me to love for you today? This brings me to a point number four or five. Which one is it? Four. Okay, my notes in the wrong order, sorry. Um, filling our lives to the things that he loves. I've really noticed, or I've maybe lost those, Are they on a slide, Daniel? Yeah, thank you. Um, I've really noticed how much these things make it easy for me to hear the Holy Spirit. Sorry, they're badly displayed. Talking gently, listening to worship, acting kindly, being patient, reading the Bible, being humble, forgiving, taking negative thoughts captive, being quiet, not very good at that, resting, being present. And those of you who've been to my house know I'm terrible at this one, being responsible in my home. Those are the things that I find allow me to listen more to the Spirit. And then the next slide is the things that make it harder for me to hear him. Um, And question question mark, this is something people have discussed for hundreds of years. Maybe these are the things that grieve him or quench his presence. Gossip, jealousy, complaining, anger, rudeness, selfishness, comparing myself with others, rushing around frantically, being distracted by technology, dwelling on the negative grubby TV. You all know what I mean by grubby TV media, don't you? It's that stuff that you wouldn't watch if Adrian was sitting with you. (laughs) Okay, next one, point five then. Yeah, Uh, yes, good. Knowing and accepting the unique role that you have 
And I want to apologize, because I'm going to sound a lot like Adrian here, but it's because he's right. The body of Christ needs all of us, and the world needs all of us. Your particular situation and character, your unique relationship with him, your experience of the Holy Spirit, whoever you are, whatever your days are filled with, we need you like the body needs a mouth. You're more than just a smiley face on a Sunday. We're crippled without you. We can't function without you. And no one can bring the Holy Spirit to the places that you are apart from you. You are a vital member of the body of Christ with a unique relationship with the Holy Spirit to bring to this world. And then, as we accept our own roles, then we can celebrate and support what he calls others to. Um, Oh, actually, sorry, I'll come back to that. I've got one more story from my life. Okay. On a Saturday morning in March this year, I took my dog, Ted, for an early walk. Adrian and Sam were both out for the day. I was looking forward to having a day with my daughters. I walked along an alleyway near our house and found that overnight several rubbish bags had been emptied out. Presumably it was animals, although Adrian had been out the night before, so who knows. Anyway, it was really great. It was proper, proper grim rubbish. Normal rubbish, and then loads of used nappies, some ruined clothing, and worse. I picked my way through it, and I thought, someone should pick this up. And clear as a bell, the Holy Spirit said, well, we could pick it up. I felt really excited. I thought, that's a great idea. He's the brains of the operation on the hands, sorted. So I rushed home with the dog, and I told my daughters the plan. I said, you don't have to help, but wouldn't that be a fun way to spend our day together? (laughs) To their absolute credit, they did both help me. In fact, Rebecca, who's 11, was genuinely excited, and she sang a song about, we can make the world a better place. Um, Emily's 16, and she did say, I can say this, she was not keen. She said, why should I have to clear it up? What about the people whose rubbish it is? Who leaves rubbish in an alleyway? Things like that. A normal human response, I think. She said, I don't see what it's got to do with us. And then, why don't the people who live near that alleyway do it? We chatted a bit about grace and mercy, capacity, energy, coping, about making a small difference to our local community. None of that convinced her. When I said, look, Emily, Holy Spirit told me to do it, she went, all right, fine. (laughs) Um, She got ready, which takes ages, and then we set off. When we actually got there, it took less than 15 minutes to clear up, and it was really fun. Rebecca gagged involuntarily every time she picked up a used nappy, and Emily got obsessive about sorting the recycling into relevant categories. Anyway... I just mentioned that because when I thought about it later, I realized it was about clearing up the alleyway, but it also wasn't. It was about the joy and the adventure of the Holy Spirit saying, look, we could do this together. And it was about parenting because I could say to the kids, look, we can't solve all the world's problems, but we can do this small thing. And it turned into a chance for Emily to think about grace, and it gave me a chance to show them what it means to live walking with the Holy Spirit. So sorry, now, finally, my sixth point is that we can celebrate in other people and support them. Adrian last week spoke about honouring, and it's so important that we honour where we are and we honour where one another are. Some of the things I've shared today are sort of big picture stories, and I know those can be helpful, but really the main thing I want to say is, look, wherever you're at and whatever you're doing, as we go about living lives, ordinary lives, seeking to love others and listen to the Holy Spirit, I think that that's really world-changing.
I'd just like to give us a couple of minutes to just pause and reflect, and then I'm going to pray for us, if that's okay. Okay, to sum up what I've said today then. The Holy Spirit loves you and he's already working in your life. You wouldn't be here if he wasn't. He longs to meet with us more. He wants to invite us to enjoy, join him in an adventure of love and joy and intimacy. There's no special formula to praying. There's not a particular experience we're looking for. Just ask him quietly in your heart to meet with you and keep on asking. And make sure your life has got space in it for him to come and talk to you. Okay, let's pray. Okay, sorry, everyone has to stand up. <laughs> Did you want me, to, want me to pray? Okay, all right. Lord, we love you. We want to invite you to come and meet with us now. Draw close to us. Come and, come and be our paraclete our helper, our friend, our comforter. Bring us the peace that we desperately need. Lord, we welcome you. We need your spirit to change us. Only through you can we truly worship. You are the spirit of truth, the spirit of holiness, the spirit of life. Lord, we need your wisdom to live this life. Keep us from doubt and from fear. We need your strength to help us do what you're asking us to do and to live how you're asking us to live. Holy Spirit, would you whisper loudly, drowning out the other voices that call us to conform to this world? Come, Holy Spirit. We don't know exactly what that means. We don't know exactly how it looks yet. But in the particular places you've called each of us to, would you come, bring your presence Bring your kingdom, Lord. Just where you're at, just ask God. Just ask the Holy Spirit. What's the next thing for me? Holy Spirit, what is the next thing that I need to take away from this morning? What's the invitation you're giving me, Holy Spirit, to live and walk into? God, I thank you so much for being with us. I thank you that you'll go with us from this point. I pray, God, would you keep meeting with us? I really ask that, Jesus. Amen. Okay, just two things. Uh, first one's this. Uh, just invite you, if you'd like to be prayed for about anything you've heard or anything that you're going on with, we'd, we'd love to pray for you. What we do practically is just ask you to come to the front because it's just easier than to see who's come forward for prayer. It's not that there's something magical here. It just allows us with space and uh, just ability to focus. So if you want to be prayed for about anything, please come forward. The second thing's this. Can I invite every single one of us this coming week to do one thing? And that is every morning, wake up and just say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my life. What would you have me do today? And then let's see what happens next Sunday of the stories we get to share.